Welcome, all you Cretans, Cretans. all you miscreants, Miscreants. all you never-do-wells, all you ne'er-do-wells, all you vandals. This is Jubilee Street, a music podcast. He's Jake Curtis, I'm Ian McCurtis, and we got Blue the Intern Dog here, we got Buffy the HR Dog, and today we are talking about the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds murder ballad B-side, the ballad of Robert Moore and Betty Coltrane. There was a podcast named Jubilee Street, a music podcast hosted by Jake and Ian. He's got the shit in him. We might as well be calling it uh, Jubilee Street Trick or Treat Edition because we're getting spooky this year. We're getting spooky this Halloween season. I, I know we definitely did this last Halloween, but give me your top three Halloween candies. Top three Halloween candies, probably. I can't. Sadly, I don't eat these anymore because they're not vegan. But Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, um, easy one. A Nerds, probably. I used to f- love Nerds. I think nerds are still vegan to check on that. And then Sour Patch Kids, probably. Some kind of sour candy. Those were my jams. A little bit of chocolate, a little You're bit of peanut sour. butter. Sour. Yeah, I like sour candies. What about you? I'm going to guess a lot of chocolate, probably. Yeah, Reese's Bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Reese's Bats. Kit Kats. Oh, you know, the white chocolate Kit Kats. I remember those back in uh, living with Cody Ray. He had that, like, family pack. That's a good choice. Twix. Oh shit! You might as well just drop the mic after you say Twix. I feel like that's kind of a that's apparently, kind of a, a mic drop candy. Apparently, they got a new Twix for Halloween where you, when you like break it open, it's green on the inside. I need to check that out. Oh, dude, that's cool! I saw that there's a new Kit Kat flavor going around. It's like blueberry pie flavor or something like that. Have you seen? This? I got it. I got it downstairs. You got it. Is it good? Yeah, we tried. Me and Courtney both tried like a little piece of it, a little wafer. It, it's. You know, I'm not a huge, like, white chocolate. It's just, like, blueberry-flavored white chocolate. But, I mean, it tastes yeah. like a blueberry muffin. It tastes like what it says it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am I love how Kit Kat, they had, like, a matcha flavor for a while. They do ki- all kinds of wild flavors. Oh, dude, if so, you go to, like, uh, the Asian grocery store, they got, like, 50 flavors of Kit Kats. Crazy. And what's cool is, like, I grew up really enjoying those. I don't know if you ever got them, but they came in, like, a, like a blank plastic bag, and it was they were, like, a jumbo pack of like wafer cookies and they were like they had the like beige color the, an orange color and a pink color and they were all the My same flavor and so whenever i think about kit kats i always think about those because i just i love a little wafer a little crisp with like a little bit of cream not too much that's what i was um that's what i was saying about the blueberry one and almost it doesn't even feel like a kit kat anymore it's just like a mm-hmm. cookie what's your what's your like um I feel like you kind of already nailed like an iconic Halloween look with your Batman costume when you were a kid. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about? Yeah. What What do you feel like is going to be the iconic Halloween costume this year? Oh, that's a good question. What do I, I think? Let's see. Last year, I feel like it was Squid Game. Mm-hmm. What is it going to be? That's a really good. Um, I think the I problematic know. choice is probably going to be Dahmer. 
Maybe I could see that. I, I was gonna. I feel like Top Gun's the biggest movie this year, but that's not really. It doesn't lend itself well to uh, Halloween. Yeah, but I bet there will be a lot of people wearing like the jumpsuit. That's like an easy costume to put together. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably a lot of Jeffrey Dahmer. Hopefully, there's some Sandman out there. Sandman will be cool. Sandman, um, and then you know, the actual like Sandman character from the comics, because uh, you were talking about Adam Sandler about when you <laughs> yeah, said Sandman. Sandman. Right? There'll probably be a lot of uh, She-Hulks. She-Hulks will be cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all the green body paint. What do you think is going to be the iconic trick this season to match the treats? Um, can you give me a few iconic tricks throughout the years to jog my uh, memory? I mean, you know, back when you guys convinced me that you guys liked Dance Gavin Dance and I, like, believed, like, Corey... And then oh, like I a see. couple weeks, like a month or so passed and you guys were like, yeah, we never liked him. I don't know. What is the iconic trick? Um, Another one is when Cody decriminalizing Ray Decriminalizing marijuana. Yes. Yes. That's a great one. Biden definitely no, tricked everybody this year. It's a trick and a treat. I think he kind of nailed it. He, his PR people were like, yes, it's Halloween. We're going to get a trick and a treat. And the they trick all was high. when they... they they caught him on the live mic saying fuck. That was the trick. Mm-hmm. And then the treat was decriminalizing <laughs> marijuana. He's like, he's like, I just, guys, he said, you I don't fucking mess with a Biden or something like that. He's like, guys, it's me, Joe Biden. I just decriminalized weed. Fucking A. Here. We were working on the, we were working on the impression earlier. So I had to shoehorn it into the pod. <laughs> yeah. We're always working on impressions here at Jubilee Street. Um, I feel like that's enough of a sidebar. You want to jump into Robert Moore and Betty Coltrane? We're six minutes in. Yeah, so I noticed that they put up the original B-Sides record on streaming. Maybe they did that a while ago, but I just noticed it the other day. So I was like, Mm -hmm. let's do one of these songs because now everyone can easily hear them. I guess that you could always easily hear them on YouTube, but whatever. And I think Mm -hmm. this is one Mm -hmm. of the best ones. This is a Murder Ballads B-Side that I don't know why it isn't on the record. It's like would be one of the best songs, I think. It's really great. Yeah, so this was originally a B-side to Where the Wild Roses Grow, right? When that single came out? I believe, yeah, yeah, on the, on the 7-inch, yeah. And I feel like that's kind of a, an unfair song to pair this with because it's obviously, you know, a song with Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue on it. While they were dating, I think, like, that's going to be hard to kind of, like, you're going to get overshadowed a little bit, but... I really like this song. It's it's one of those. Um, it's a little more upbeat than I remember some of the other murder ballads tracks being from that era. There's not a lot of songs in the Bad Seeds. Uh, what's the word? Ouvre. What's that word? Ouvre. Ouvre. That's what it is. There's not a lot uh-huh. of songs that just make you want to like start dancing. This is one of yeah. the few. It's this really is good, like, isn't it? This is a song you could put on at a party, and that is not really like Nick Cave's vibe, but. I wish there were more songs like this. Like it's just like it's got a really cool drum beat, which is not something Bad Seeds usually. Their drummer mm-hmm. is very talented, but like you know, they're all about being understated. This song has like a fucking groove. It's fast. Mm-hmm. It's fast. It's, it's very different. I I really I always want to say because you know I, I listened to the song a handful of times this morning and then throughout the day. Um, and I, I always found myself wanting to say, hands up, who wants to die? Well, like right before it like kicks in. Yeah, dude, it just feels like a part. Like, yeah, it feels yeah. like a, a less noisy birthday party song for sure. Mm-hmm. I also think yeah. there's like, 
I think there's like a little tiny bit of horns in the song. I wish there was like a full out, like the horns just come in like crazy. It almost feels I like know. it could be like a song in like a Disney movie. There are so many moments where I, I, I listening to the Bad Seeds over the last couple of years, where I just feel like they could lean more into grandiosity and just kind of be more exaggerated and cartoonish. And this was an opportunity where I mm-hmm. felt like, like you said, like the horns could have been louder. The vocals could have been, you know, a little bit weirder and more out there and kind of, you know, it's still a great song, but I can tell why it was a B-side because it doesn't feel like they're, you know, swinging for the fences as much on this one. And I feel like they could have. This shows the, you know, he always gets compared to Tom Waits. And this mm-hmm. is like a very Tom, like Tom Waits has done this kind of song and it's like fucking crazy, like built all the bells mm-hmm. and whistles. And this is a little more, a little more uh, reined in, but still it has that Tom Waits just like wild vibe. So this might be something that we talked about in the past, but I think me somewhat forgetting is, you know, conducive to a good podcast experience because, you know, every episode is someone's first episode. There is a genre of, of songs called murder ballads. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Like they're well, like, it's, it's like Wikipedia. a style of song. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I didn't know that. So I thought it was cool to, and if I did know it, you know, I'm, I'm with the, the new listeners here. Like what's a murder ballad? And you know, a murder ballad is essentially the opposite subject matter of what an actual ballad is. So like, you know, I think they're like for, for the bad seeds, for instance, like straight to you, or a lot of the tracks on like um, Boatman's Call would just be kind of you know ballads, whereas November this Rain is a, by Guns N' Roses. Yeah, like even like Sweet Child of Mine, I think has like kind of a you know balladish thing, and that's nothing new to like those big stadium rock bands. Like I every mean, rose has are its huge. thorn. Every rose has its thorn. Um, only love can break your heart, Neil Young. You know, um, with or without you, you too. Keep going. You know, there was one time when something I was on unpredictable tour. And in the end, it's oh, right. that's a, that's a uh, good one. That's a mm-hmm. big one. Um, a whoop big one. That's our, that's a new Jubilee Street. That's how you know whoop. Ian likes it. It's a whoop <laughs> big one. <laughs> uh, Adam's song, Blink-182, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That one's kind of a murder ballad, though, because it's sad, right? Staying oh, together for the kids—that's a murder ballad. Um, one time we were uh, we were on tour, band I was in, and we were playing in, I believe it was Rochester, New York. Shout out if if you're listening, and Rochester, home of the, gar- home of the garbage plate, and home of the garbage plate. Shout out the garbage plate. I think the like concert we had fell through, and whoever's booking it, like, you know, found some somewhere else for us to play, and we were playing. Um, it wasn't an open mic. It was like a bunch of songwriters had all agreed to meet together on this day and show off the songs they were writing. And then they just threw us on top. And it was this like friend group that all agreed to write murder ballads. And then on this day, they were all going to play them for each other and invite people. And uh, I always think of that when I think of murder ballads. It was just weird being... Uh, like thrown into this random friend group in this random city and they were all writing, playing murder ballads for each other. Yeah, that's cool. What a place to do that. Home of the garbage plate where you're getting murdered by what you eat. Um, mm-hmm. Question. 
I don't know if this is, uh, was obvious to you or any of the listeners, but are Robert Moore or Betty Coltrane significant figures in like the Bad Seeds universe or anything like that? As far as I can tell, they aren't real people. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious why bands choose like fictitious names for ballads, but I guess it's just because this is an original well, you gotta think story. Coltrane is probably just, he probably just like that because of John Coltrane. Mm-hmm. Alice Coltrane. And then Robert, Robert Moore. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like it, it's a very generic Robert name. I feel like kind of calling to mind Robert Johnson, like a blues kind of name. Yeah. Yeah, my mind went the same exact place. Um, okay, cool. Well, that pretty much gets that off the plate. W- what's the story here? What's happening to, you know, what's going on with Robert and Betty? So this song, I mean, it's it's maybe they didn't put it on the album because it's pretty similar to Stagger Lee, just not as. I had to, I had a similar thought. I had a similar thought. So basically, the song's pretty simple. It's kind of like a, a sea shanty almost, and uh, this guy Robert Moore is at a bar, and finds out that his wife is also married to a lot of other men, and they are all at the bar too, and he starts murdering them, and then. <laughs> She shoots him and murders him, blows his brains out, and that's the song. What a song. What a friggin' song. You know, in um, line with, with everything else on the album, it's just like a fun song where a lot of people die. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'll collect my severance pay, and then she winked and threw a dollar on the table. <laughs> yeah, emptied out, uh, took everyone's wallets. That, that's my favorite little bit of the song. There's a, there's a great sense of humor in this track. Um, and I think that some of the imagery that they evoke is really cool too. Like the, the lyrics are really fun here. Frog eyes, frog eyed man. Um, yeah, that's a good you know, like descriptor because I don't know, you instantly picture, I picture that frog. Remember that frog looking guy from Providence by Alan Moore? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. All the creepy fish people from Providence. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, if if we're to you know go kind of in line with Nick Cave's past interest in like classical literature, he's got to be he's got to have read some Lovecraft, and I feel like they're de- he's mm-hmm. definitely tapping into some Lovecraft kind of stuff throughout their career. And then there's other things too, like the man with the wingnut ears said, "Hey, I married her back in Spain." And yeah, what do you think? What do you think that means? What do you think wingnut ears look like? So I feel like wingnut is like a is like colloquial or slang for like crazy or kind of like you know alex jones that like right wing wing that right wing 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 nut kind of thing i'm not sure are you googling it yeah let's google it i think you're thinking a nut job nut job i think that's actually a type of porn okay what does it mean when you call someone a wing nut let's let's see a mentally unsound person yeah you're right so if so if his ears are wing nut ears you got to think like so he just how kooky of a character does this guy look? It's uh, vague. I think, it, I, I think there's like a vagueness in the like, <laughs> but there's also like a sense of, like I said earlier, like a sense of humor in the way he's describing these people. And, and I, I think it means like a wing nut, like a bolt. Oh, so like, so Frankenstein. Yeah. If you look so, at a wing nut, like it kind of looks like ears that like, yeah, stick out weird. So that's funny. It, 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 one might think then Mr. Frog Eyes, Swamp. But maybe it's a double entendre because you were right. A wingnut is a like a slang term for a crazy person, so it's probably well, both. Well, now I'm thinking, 
what's the likelihood that Mr. Frog Eyes isn't the, the swamp monster, the swamp thing? Creature from the uh, Black Lagoon. Sh- sure. Because I'm starting to think, like, especially because how plain Robert, like, the name Robert Moore is. Like, any time a movie with, like, a plain-sounding name for a main, for one of the main characters, you know that something's going to, bad's going to happen to him. You know, he's just plain, he's vanilla, he's going to get shot in the head, get robbed. Um, but it really starts just- to make you wonder about... Betty, like, where's Betty been? Where's she been? What's she been doing? What was she, was she, was she doing this stuff while she was married to Robert or before, after? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's a lot of quickly established world building in this. That's really fun. I think that you really hit the say. nail on the head with like Sea Shanty. Like, those songs are. It's like it feels like you know you're sitting in a bar with like a fucking a guy like playing a lute like. Singing a ballad. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the thing that, like, I, it's so hard. It's like the magic with lyrics. And the same with poetry is like saying a lot with few words. And each character that gets introduced gets this, like, just funny description. The barman has a face like boiled meat. Like, that's so yeah. good. Yeah. But that, that aspect of the song also reminds me of Tom Waits. Like, all the characters in Tom Waits songs have some, you know, crazy thing about them. Little aside, shout out my mom, Kimberly. She, hey Kim. when she makes ground beef, she boils it in water. Just like, never heard of anyone else who cooks meat that way. So this, this reminds me of my mom. That sounds like some white people shit. Dude, it is like the one, like if you're going to eat beef, you're eating it because it's fatty. Yeah, you, you boil it in water. boil it? Like, why don't you just eat crown turkey instead? Or, like, that sounds like some uh, beyond shit. Meat. That's probably what Corey's been doing is like just like boiling chicken. Bleh. Like, why, why, why not just grill it? You got to grill, you got you can put it in the oven, bake it, do anything yeah, else besides mom, boiling it. My mom's like, I'm making tacos. I'm like, I'm good. You boil you're like, meat. you're like, oh shit, I'm gonna get home, sent home with a gallon of hot ham water again tonight. Exactly. Um, the other thing that this this song makes me think of is so The Shining predates this by many years and The Shining. The Shining. He's got the Shining. <laughs> um, <laughs> um <laughs> one of the best tree house horrors. It's a probably God, there's another one where Willie turns it's a Freddy Krueger episode and Willie is Freddy Krueger. Oh yeah, um, yeah, like, yeah. And he turns into like a lawnmower or something like that. That episode's really good too. <laughs> um, and then you can't, not to do too much of an aside here, but the the episode where Bart has a twin brother, yeah, um, melds a rat with a pigeon, is mm-hmm. just and Homer goes up there to feed him slop, like they like Bart catches him going up to the attic. And like, what if Bart was the evil twin? Dude, that episode scared the shit out of me when I was a little kid. I, I was. Do you remember the one where Homer? Where Homer enters the real world, it's like a mind. That upward. episode is fucking crazy. That episode scared me too. I did not, I did not, I could not fathom that. My little like nine or eight, eight mm-hmm. or nine or ten year old mind could not handle the like, the fact. That I just, it's why House of Leaves scared me so much as an adult. I did not like the fact that you moved a dresser from a wall and there was this like hidden portal 
to somewhere else. I didn't like that. That just didn't. Right. And then there's like a, all these structures inside that I, I could do a whole podcast about that episode. You OK, two things. One, I think maybe a Halloween episode could be a Treehouse of Horror, like favorite five favorite Treehouse of Horrors. Second. I was thinking it's funny that you say that. I was thinking we could both try to find that new omnibus that come out, that came out and maybe we mm-hmm. could just do like a quickie episode about that like reading that and talking about it. Um second oh yeah, you were so before we were recording you were talking about like what's scary to people a lot of times it's like tapping into fears that you don't know you have. But and I do think you're right. I think that's what a lot of good horror comes from. But I think the scariest fear I know I have is that House of Leaves thing. Like, just imagining, like, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. And mm-hmm. then imagining, like, I turn around and then look back and it's gone. Like, shit, like, that is the scariest thing I can imagine. Like, your sense of reality being messed with. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's, it's. That's, like, my favorite thing in the movie, in movies, whenever there's, like, a little background thing where, like, a character goes to the kitchen and. You know, something was there before, now it's not. Like, that mm-hmm. shit instantly makes a scene so much scarier. Well, it's cheesy, but as I've gotten older and I've conquered my fear of, like, the Child's Play movies and Chucky, like, those movies were so scary to me as a kid because, like, toys and dolls are, were, are just such a part of a house. And, like, things that are, like, expected in a house, making them scary was just too much again for my young mind to comprehend. And I was just so scared of that happening. Like something like some doll that we put in storage, like living in the attic or something like fuck, fucking crazy. It's weird that like, <clears throat> I guess just our like relationship with death as humans. I'm, I'm getting low key deep here right, right now. Ian gets We're low like, key deep. Like all this stuff you're describing so scary. And this song could be that like, you know, you, you find the right director to make a short film out of this song. It's terrifying. But in the context of the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds version, it's funny. Like, it's crazy how murder can hit so many different ways. Murder can also be funny. Well, that's what that's what I was getting with, too with the, the, sh- the Shining and the Shinning reference. So this makes me back. think... Jake ties it all back. This makes me think of that scene in the, the Treehouse of Horror... Uh, version of The Shining. Give me the bat, Marge. Give me the bat. Um, yeah. Homer, no beer and no work, and all all work and no beer <laughs> makes Homer something something. <laughs> um, it reminds me of that scene where Homer's locked in the food cellar like Jack is in The Shining, and there's that incredible. It's just one of the most iconic shots ever in a movie where he's you know Jack's walking over to the bar and that bartender who, you know, looks like he's just walked out of a time capsule is there. And then in the Simpsons version, you see all of these, like, um, Mo comes into the freezer to get Homer, and you see all of these, like, Halloween characters there, like Freddy Krueger and Jason and, like, Dracula and stuff like that. And this makes me think, like, Robert Moore and Betty, to some degree, walked into this, like, extraterrestrial, like, out there alternate universe bar where... You know, it turns into a Looney Tunes kind of shit situation where, like, you know, he just keeps getting in and out of these, like, you know, what what do they call them in Family Guy? Like the the fight cloud is that what it's called? Like the the things in oh, cartoons, like cartoon, where, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and it, I just keep this song just makes me think of like like it would be a music video. Like it, it's got like it's a lot like Dance Hall by Modest Mouse, right? It's got the same kind of cadence. Like I gotta mm-hmm. dance all dance all every day. Um, and this this just has like kind of a more you know feel good vibe to it. But I think imagery wise, it's pretty scary, and that's kind of what I'm getting at with the Simpsons references. The you know. The Simpsons did a really good job with those treehouse episodes because they are pretty creepy at times and like with the sound design, but then you think of the actual scenes from The Shining and you're like, oh shit, this is really scary. And that's that's kind of what I'm getting at is like something, there are so many things in this world that are just fucking terrifying to people that we would not find scary at all, you know? Like to us, the idea of like bending down or like, you know, reaching down to the bottom shelf of our bookshelf and we're, we're kind of just like curious and we, you know, there's that gap above the books where we just know the walls there, but we look back there and there's like a little, you know, there's like a door and we're like, Is, has that been there this whole time? Those ideas are just so creepy. Or imagine you pull a book off the bookshelf you've read before and then all the pages are blank. Whoa. That sounds like a good book. Like a, someone used to write a book like that. Dude, I love that <clears throat> song Dance Hall by Modest Mouse. Whatever... Um, that style of song is like this song is also that genre. I, I want mm-hmm. more songs like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I feel like Modest Mouse could have like dove into being like a polka band if they wanted to. Like done more like polka and like sort of you know different types of dance. Like a I feel like they'd make a really good waltz album. Like every song is a waltz. Yeah, they do that six eight three four thing a lot. Mm-hmm. Good news for bad news has a couple songs that go into that like polka. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm gonna say Tom Waits territory. And they yeah. never really have gone back to it. I would like it if they did. Hey, listen, if you it know? if it's if if the shoe fits, as they say, you know, if it's if it sounds like Tom Waits, probably inspired by it or worth being mentioned. You talking about the shiny makes me think another good Halloween episode could just be a Stephen King episode. What's uh, what you said? What's another thing that you know? I feel like we appreciate this about Nick, but it never gets old. Like mentioning it, but like the beginning of the song, the momentum is completely carried by him. Like, hmm. and the way he kind of like warps and kind of, you know, I, I said that, you know, your music uh, that you make as um, Ian McCurtis um, or you, you release it under the name, wait, your Ian McCurtis music, you can edit all that out however you want. Anyway. All, the, all um, those descriptions are valid. Like I mentioned how you, like I started, I've noticed recently that you sound, your, your, your vocals are very similar to how Nick Cave sounds in this era where he's like, kind of like, you know, feeling things out. You know, he's kind of like getting a little, a little off rhythm for a second, like kind of going away from the groove and then he just comes right back in. And I just want to, It's, it's the you know, Lou Reed thing where like, yes, Nick Cave doesn't perfect. have to do it because Nick Cave's a good singer, but Lou, Ray, mm-hmm. Lou Reed is a horrible singer. Mm-hmm. And so since he knows he doesn't have a huge range, you just, yeah, you mess with the syllables and like, kind of go in and out to like it's funny that you bring up blue raid the uh, owner of raid bugs break <laughs> yeah big hero of mine <laughs> his last name's actually raid blue raid blue raid um, but yeah I, I i think that we read um comparison is <laughs> is spot on because i i i never really think of him with that but you know he did the same thing on like white light white heat and um it's done to great effect here with Nick too, and I'm I'm sure he was a vel- Nick was a Velvet Underground guy. Yeah, a all doubt. those guys like 
Nick is the best singer of the bunch. But all those, uh, Leonard Cohen, Lou Reed, mm-hmm. Patti Smith, they all have like very similar uh, vocal like inflections. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that um, it's just it was it's cool to see like and even that you know it, it makes sense given that he was rolling around in the crowds with like Lydia Lunch and those no wave bands that were also mm-hmm. experimenting with that kind of you know out of key you know off time weird unsettling vocal style. But with this, I think it just lended itself so well to kind of being the perfect, you know, interlude to this incredibly dancey, like, punk track, you know? If you could call it punk. I'm never really quite sure whether to call Nick Cave punk, but I feel like their mentality is more punk than their music is sometimes. I mean, that's the million-dollar question. Like, I think Nick Cave is undoubtedly a huge punk icon. Uh Uh-huh. But did he make that much punk music, like... Not really. Like, what do you call punk, you know? Yeah, it's it's hard because I never... When I think of punk, you know, I think of no effects, bad religion, um, bad brains, stuff like that. Um, Nick Cave doesn't come to mind. Nick Cave kind of seems like his own thing, which I think... Yeah, is, you wouldn't be like, like, oh, you want to get into punk rock? Check out Murder Ballads. But yeah, I do think, like, Nick Cave... Like, the Bad Seeds are punk, just, to, yeah, I guess, in philosophy more than in music. They're a fascinating band. They really are because whenever I, whenever I think about this question and I'm listening to listening to their music, like era to era, like I think clearly there is a difference in style that happens in like 2010 onward. But before that, and and probably before like Abattoir Blues and Liar of Orpheus, there was a distinct like punk quality to it, and it makes me think a lot of. Um, LCD sound system in, in like how they started out. And I, I really would love to know if James Murphy was a huge fan of like this era of Nick and like sort of the nineties, because I think that this is where they really leaned into more like rhythm. I, I, w- I would, I would be willing to, to argue that, you know, from her to eternity, what's the other early bad seeds record, uh, Tender Mercy, all that stuff is like still very, very much in its own like pocket as far as like not necessarily no wave, but um, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, I think it's just like I, I think maybe it works for us because we just like we like that punk mindset of you know just do whatever the fuck you want. Absolutely. So that like that aesthetic of just like I'm gonna take my my, my punk mind frame and put it in a different genre of music that's always gonna work for us. So, yeah, yeah, Nick Cave, you know, the early Bad Seed stuff, they're like, let's do it with, you know, this weird noise rock slash swans kind of stuff. And LCD Sound System the same way. Like, James Murphy was like, I'm going to take my punk ethos and uh, see how that mixes with dance music and see what happens. Yeah, and even, you know, I I would say their earlier stuff throw in some, like, noise as well. Mm -hmm. Have you, did you hear the new... I mean, now I'm just going to be... Nothing else about the Nick Cave song. This song's great. I think this is one of the best B-sides from this era. Super fun. I don't know. Like I said, I think it should have been on the album. I, I think this is just a joy yeah. of a song. Mm-hmm. Um, 
did you hear the new LCD sound system song for for white for the white Dude, noise? Dude, I'm fucking hyped. I loved that song. It wasn't anything special, but I'm more hyped that like I'm actually thinking I was going to read I had a couple other books on my Regina stack to read, but I think once I finish this Dark Horse Presents horror book I'm reading, I might just jump into White Noise because I'm fucking hyped for that movie. What about you? Did you hear it? Yeah, I thought... So I have a weird relationship with LCD Sound System. Like, I really like them, but I also am annoyed by them. The way other people talk about LCD Sound System, like they're like the greatest thing ever, is annoying to Mm -hmm. me. And like in my head, it makes me think I don't like them. But you do. But then I listen to them. And you get it. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're... They're fucking awesome. Yeah, they're a great band. But they're not like... People act like they're like Radiohead level, and they're not that they're good. They're not that good. Like, people need to chill out. People need to chill out a little bit with their reverence for them. They're really... It's the same way with the they're Strokes. They're really good band. Like, the Strokes are really good. Better than the Strokes. But the Strokes are not... The Strokes are not the second coming of, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever the fuck people tried to act like they were. I, I, yeah, LCD and South I would South say if you're, is, if, they're, they're if you're ranking those three bands, it's Radiohead, LCD, Strokes. Agreed. <clears throat> Um, Where's Interpol rank? Interpol? Oh, good question. Um, I like Interpol. I feel like they, they, they were in that world. I like Interpol better than LCD, so it'd be Radiohead, Interpol, LCD, Strokes. How about you hear this? I feel like LC, or Interpol's highs are higher than LCD are. sound system. They are. But LC, LCD sound system is way more consistent. LCD sound system is way more consistent because... I mean, uh, Turn Off the Bright Lights is one of my favorite albums ever. I've, I, it's so much one of my favorite albums that I never want to listen to it because it's, it's not, it, it was so fucking pivotal to me when I heard it is when we were working at Green Bean and either Sean Lawler or Noah fucking loaned me that. And I know Noah loaned me the CD and I fucking played that album over and over and over again. I love that fucking record, but those antics, but antics is fucking good too. And that and it was a lifespan with no cellmate. That video is great. That like, I think a lot of people were trying to sell you on the fact that antics was only good because of evil. But if you listen through that whole album, it's a really good album still. And then it peters off after that. But then after that, yeah, after that it peters off. But like LCDs, all Big their time. records like Sound of Silver or whatever. Um, that fucking, you know, this is happening. This is happening. And then the newer one, um, I think all of those records are awesome. And they're better consistently. But the highs that you got from Turn Off the Bright Lights and Antics were not were unparalleled hmm. in comparison to LCD's, like, consistency. So I would have to, like they talked about on the recent 11 O'Clock Comics, um, you know, which album, which, which comic books or which albums would you throw off the life raft to keep others and you know i would yeah i would i like i would i loved that question so much uh i would throw lcd off the raft to keep the interpol records probably Mm. um i think i would agree i'm surprised there's not more bands that sound like lcd sound system that's often like i don't have the motivation to learn how to be that good at production like i've all i've often been like i think i would like to try to make music like that what was the it just seems so fun? What was the line in that track that they did for White Noise? Was it something like "I'm an alien"? It was something. I gotta think of what it was. I don't remember. Yeah, there is like a 
refrain, but my memory's so bad. I mean, there's like a catchy line that keeps getting said. I'm fucking stoked for that movie. I'm trying to gear up Haley to go with me to see it on Thanksgiving because I'm like... Are they playing in theaters? Yeah, yeah, it's getting a theatrical release on uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, cool. I'll probably do the same then. Yeah, dude, like I love, I mean, I love Noah Baumbach. I love Greta Gerwig. I love Adam Driver. I'll be pretty bummed if this movie isn't really you, You've read the book too, right? Mm-hmm. I got I to gotta figure out these lyrics before we stop recording because it's going to bother me. You gave me uh, the book for my birthday probably, I mean, probably five or six years ago at this point. Yeah, I bought a new copy from Barnes & Noble, fucking paid cover price, so I, I, that's how much I like the book. Um, oh, yeah, it has this great line, I need a new body, I need a new body. Yeah, I need a new body. It's so good. <laughs> I was like... Uh, and J- James Murphy always does that, like, hi, like... You know what's... And it always works. You know what's interesting is I, I, I hear him doing that, and I'm like, this could be so bad. It's his thing. This could be so stupid mm-hmm. and cheesy. But the way he does it, it just gives me those tinglys up my spine. I'm just like, I don't know. He he can. That's a thing, man. He's weird. Like his voice isn't anything special. You know what I mean? Like he mostly sings in that like sort of like tenor, almost baritone range. Sometimes he's definitely sits in that tenor area more, tenor alto even. And he's still like the range that he can get. That he has an incredible voice. I know I just said it wasn't anything special, but it is special because of how he uses it. Yeah, he's a pretty, like, singular just dude. Uh-huh. It- There's, I think, I think LCD and Sound System works because they're always self-aware anytime they delve into, like, getting cheesy. I think about that. There's a song on This Is Happening where he's, like, something about, like, a line from your bad poetry. Oh. And this is coming from me. Yeah. Like... Like, don't worry, my poetry is even worse. You know who? Like, he's always like kind of self-aware and making fun of himself. You know who probably fucking loved LCD Sound System? All the dudes in Law Dispute when they started that band. Yeah, they were probably listening to a shit ton of fucking Seisha and LCD Sound System. Throw that together and get Law Dispute. You get Law Dispute, definitely. Um, you know, I had something else they're to doing, add. They're doing a wildlife. They're doing a wildlife anniversary tour. Really, dude? Who the? F- do people really need that? I'm sorry to be if if we have any law dispute listeners. I love you guys. I loved your albums back in the day, and I, I think you're a great band. But like, is that? Do you think they're going to get a lot of people to see that? I don't know. I just. I mean, we talked about this before off mic, but we can edit this I, out too. I'm just. If you I want. grew, I don't know. Uh, I just grew to be so much more of a Touche Mori fan over the years. Yeah, I. Law Dispute was the... Touche Mori kept getting better, and Law Dispute just, like, I don't know, never uh, figured out, like, where to go next. You know what? They they got memefied too quickly, and they... I don't think they ever recovered help. from the, you know, I think I saw you in my sleep thing, and... Um, well, then, so, if they recovered from it, then they got hit again with the double whammy of, can I still get into heaven if I kill myself? Oh, my God, yeah, um... Even even thinking of that, uh, you know, don't I don't want to think how it ends. Isn't that how the song, the the actual song, King Park uh, ends? I want to know how it. Ends. I don't want to know how it ends. Is what he says, right, or something? I think I think it's I want to know how it ends. Uh, yeah. Um, oh God, 
too, so many emotions come rushing back for that. Um, Dude, it's one of those things. I feel like anyone listening, you probably have a similar thing where, like, when I was like 20, when that song came out, mm-hmm. I thought it was the most well written, deepest thing ever. Oh, we all did. And, and it is. Like, it is well done. It really is well done. It's, it doesn't, it didn't, it's not something that resonates now, with us now, but we're different. Yeah, at 31. I resonate much more with like a Nick Cave song that has subtlety. Like it's so melodramatic. Like there's no layers to it. Yeah. I know what you, you know? mean. It's interesting that we can get behind title fights still, but Law Dispute just didn't stand the test of time as much. Even like I would even probably really There's some subtlety to title fight songs. There is. Law Dispute's so on the surface, like the lyrics are what it is. There's nothing deeper. And I think that's the problem, right? Is if is is they they just didn't tap. They just didn't tap into that, you know. And like even a band like Pianos become the teeth. I feel like there could be a time and place where I'd go back and check out those first their first two records, you know. I wonder, you know, those bands are always going to get, especially Touche More and Lot of Spute, but they they're always they always get talked about together. Yep. I wonder if in the eighties if there was, you know, a version of us that are in our fifties now. And we're always like comparing the Smiths and the Cure and Nick Cave together, like because they all came up at the same time. That's true I because that. I don't. I I like the Cure. I don't have the kind of context that you have. What was the other band you mentioned? Nick Cave, the Cure, and who? And like the Smiths and just all yeah. those bands that all came up. at The, the same Smiths time. I have a little bit more context than the Cure, but I feel like Nick Cave is the one I know the most about at 31 years old. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I will say in Nick Cave news for me, um, I still think that that blonde movie sucked ass, but they did an incredible job on the Dahmer soundtrack. But I am in a period of my Nick Cave fandom where I have now I now have Nick Cave mood albums. Mm. And elaborate. Well, the other day I was feeling kind of down. You know, full disclosure here, my job, uh, my day job demoted me. I've got another uh, sort of creative project I'm working on that I have, you know, I'm just trying to like focus on that. But I did have to work another job to pay the bills and they demoted me, cut my pay, not for any, you know, that I was doing a bad job. It was just like they couldn't, they didn't need me to be in that role anymore. It really fucking sucked. And I was like, you know what? I want to listen to... Uh, Boatman's Call. I feel like this is my like sad day album. Like it's been really gloomy mm-hmm. this week, and so like I put into my arms on, and I was like, yes, this is exactly what I needed. This is like the like warm sweater that I needed to put on because I don't really drink anymore. I'm, I don't numb myself with alcohol. Like you know, my boss told me the next day she was like, yeah, I, I just you know. I, I I just heard the news and on uh, the Friday prior, and she was like, uh, or the day the, the the day prior to everybody getting fired or demoted, and she was like, I just drank all night. And for me, I don't really like to do the drinking anymore because it makes me feel like crap. And so for me, like that, the numbing thing either comes from video games or I put on a record to make me feel better. But that I wouldn't say that's numbing in the same way. You made me think about how how we've grown. We still have a lot more growing to do, mm-hmm. but I think about when we were like 18 and if something bummed us out, we just like ran from it. Like, you know, I, I didn't really drink or do drugs, but like I would just 
party with you guys and stay up all night and just like do whatever I could not to think about it. You would, you know, smoke or drink or whatever. You would definitely mainline some pizza on some nights. Remember when you woke up in the middle (laughs) of the night, we got Spinelli's? And now, like, in our 30s, I feel like we've learned how to just, like, kind of sit in our sadness. And it kind of feels good in a way to, like, I feel like I never used to let myself deal with feeling sadness. I would just, like, figure out how to not feel it. And it feels good to be a little older and feel like how to know, uh, how to to have bad days Mm -hmm. and, like, kind of live in them and, and, and sort through it. Yeah, definitely. It's a good insight. It was easy back then to was just, just avoid it. and Ian's therapy corner. You know, not think about it and just go hang out with your buddies, you know? But I think that's... I didn't know how to, like, when I was 20, I didn't know how to be sad without wanting to, like, kill myself, like, without just, like, <laughs> being too sad. That's why like, a lot of speed you know? resonated with you so much. Yeah, like, if I got sad, I got way too sad. Mm-hmm. Now I know how to just be a little sad yeah. and, like, deal with you, it. You just... You feel that wave of sadness, and then you you have learned how to mitigate that more efficiently. Yeah, gotten, I mean, I think we both have gotten a lot better, at like uh, feeling our emotions. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm moving into my my territory of Nick Cave fandom, where I've got mood albums. You know, like there's certain days I want to listen to Push the Sky Away, Abattoir Blues, Henry's Dream, um, all that shit. Yeah, I'm trying to think of so. Song. Skeleton Tree is definitely a winter album for me. Mm-hmm. And then I think Ghostine's becoming a spring album for me. Yeah, Ghostine's so very like overwhelming. permafrost into melting and sunshine. Yeah, it's like so overwhelmingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then like, I feel like a good mood album for me is, uh, what's the album called? Is it uh, No More Shall We Part? Is a good like nighttime kind of... Good mood, kind of chill. If you're chilling alone, that's like their hyphy record. That that's like their E40 record. <laughs> E4 could okay. E40 probably has an album like in him. That's just like uh, what's what's the name of that song? Fifteen feet of pure white snow. I mean, that could be a fucking push a mm-hmm. T song. Yeah, no more shall we part. Feel the record feels like uh, you're sitting in like the fireplace mm-hmm. with a whiskey, reading the paper. Yeah, I don't know. Got a cigar. Like, yeah. Feels classy and cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. We should. Uh, I think it might be time. I think it, I don't know if it's been a, if we've hit a year yet, but we ought to do another draft where we do holiday draft for our Nick Cave favorites. So we pick like well, like Halloween, Christmas. Um, you know, we pick maybe four or five holidays, and then uh, four or five seasons, and then we do like a holiday season draft picks like which nick cave albums we want to listen to on christmas christmas and that kind of shit okay i like that because when when you were talking about the mood album i was like what if we did like uh what album is each zodiac sign but <laughs> i was like i don't know shit about i don't care about that shit yeah i, d- I wouldn't yeah, want to do that either is a good one. holidays is more our speed yeah we should also start thinking about you know what we talked about afi last year but we should think of another good halloween record maybe we can do the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack or something like that. We'll see. I heard this great story on uh, that Smashing Pumpkins podcast I was talking about. Yeah, Band Splain. Billy Corgan was, I think it was the guitar player for Alice in Chains, was doing an interview, and then Billy Corgan like walked in. It was at a festival. Sounds like Billy Corgan. just like hanging out. And the dude from Alice in Chains is like answering a question or whatever, and then Billy Corgan's like, 
What zodiac sign are you? <laughs> like I missed that Billy just Corgan. butting in. And the dude and the dude's like, "Why the fuck are you asking me that?" And Billy Corgan's like, "Just tell me what, what's your zodiac sign." And he's like, "How the fuck could that even matter? What would that matter at all to what I'm talking about right now?" And just like told him to fuck off. Man, I see. I, I thought that was so funny. I had a period of time where I was really into my zodiac sign, and I, I, I think my internet handle is still Orange Gemini, my favorite color in my zodiac. And I don't really fucking care about that shit anymore. Like when I see people post about it, I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, you know, I'm glad if it makes you happy, but some people are just like, Libra season, Libra season. Oh my gosh, Gemini season. I'm like, yeah, who fucking cares? The world's chaotic. We don't need a reason for it. All right. Yeah, I like the imagery of it. I like like the, the way the way the way the signs look. Everything about it I is like, cool. It's a cool thing. It's just like overplayed in but some ways. I don't ways. care about the actual content. And I don't like. There's certain things about it where it's like, ooh, you're a Gemini. I would never. I would never date you. I would never be your friend. You know. I hate when uh, like this has happened to me before, where like you're talking to someone and they're like, "What sign are you?" And I'm like, "I'm a Virgo," and they're like, and then they're like. Oh, that that explains that's why, why you say that. Oh, that's why you're gay. That's why that's like something that fucking the zodiac sign would do. Like I'm mad about something, and then someone's like, "What sign are you?" And I'm like, "Virgo," and they're like, "Oh, that's why you're mad about." That's that. why you're mad and gay. I'm like, don't try to fucking explain me. Ian McCurtis cannot be explained <laughs> by a zodiac. Don't sign. don't try to don't try to out my gayness with your zodiac stuff, okay? Like, I, well, you're not. It's not going to be that easy. Um, now that's why you're that's why you're a Republican, Ian. Because you're a Virgo. <laughs> yeah. You're a closeted Republican. <laughs> I got to drop the gay thing. I thought it was funny the first time I said it. Now it's just going into the ground. Um, yeah. So, wow, what a podcast. We've talked, we talked about uh, The Ballad of Robert Moore and Betty Coltrane by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds from their first B-Sides record that's apparently newly re-released on Spotify, released. And then we talked about, we ranked... Radiohead, Interpol, LCD Sound System, and The Strokes. And then we talked about The Simpsons for a while. Then we had Ian's Therapy Corner. We talked about a lot of dispute, Halloween candy. I got to say, we need to start charging for these episodes because that is so much awesome free content you guys just got. Let me ask you this to go out on. All right. Well, first of all, I would love to see you, Jake Curtis, try your uh, hand at one of these murder ballads. If you were going to make... The ballad of blank and blank, mm-hmm. and it has to be two people. They can either be real people or fictional. Mm-hmm. They can be associated together or not. Who would you make the ballad of blank and blank? Well, the first one that came to my mind because I I feel like both of us could get really creative with this is, um, the ballad of Haruki and Murakami. Mm. Um, but I think another good one would be uh, I don't remember the wife's the wife's name. But I would probably do the ballad of Will and whatever the wife character's name is from uh, House of Leaves. Mm, I th- that's a good I one. think that'd be a good one. What about you? I would do the ballad of Count Chocula and Frankenberry. That's a good one. Who's the one that has I'm marshmallows? To... He has like the pink marshmallow. Well, they all have marshmallows. Frankenberry. Frankenberry. Yeah, Frankenberry. Okay, that's what I said. I would do the ballad of. He's the true wingnut. <laughs> <coughs> the ballad of Kanye West and Donald Trump. The Oof. ballad of Kanye West and Joe Rogan. Kanye West and Joe Rogan. Well, you know, man, that's a good idea. The ballad of 
The Ballad of Peter Griffin and Eric Cartman. The Ballad of Peter Griffin and Pete Davidson. <laughs> the Ballad oh, of Pete oh, Pete. I got it. The Ballad of Taco Bell Chicken Burritos and Discontinued. That's speaking to Corey's life, or Corey's mm-hmm. heart. The and Ballad of Baja Blast the and, Pepsi of, and uh, regular flavored Pepsi. The Ballad of Lauren Michaels and Larry David. The Ballad of Fred Armisen and Tim Heidecker. The Ballad of Ronald McDonald and the Burger King. The Ballad of Steve Brule and Denny, his cameraman. Because I don't know if you remember this, but in the of, canon of Steve Brule's story from Check It Out, uh, Denny, his cameraman for like three seasons of the show, dies in an episode where they learn about planes. Tragic. Mm-hmm. I think Steve crashes the plane. It wasn't his fault. The Ballad of Miles Davis and Miles Tails Prowler from Snow. <laughs> that's, that's the best one. <laughs> I, did I tell you I watched Sonic 1 and 2 a oh, couple shit. months ago? Oh, shit. Did you like them? I never, I, I never asked you. Eh. Dude. I, eh, eh. Not really. I, I don't know why, but I thought the first movie was really good. Like, it was really good in a really bad way. Like, it had everything against it, and I, and I felt like it was pretty funny. It definitely wasn't awful. It was better and than I Blonde. And I think that, uh, yeah, it was better than Blonde. And I, I really liked the ending of the first one when Robotnik gets sent to like the mushroom world or whatever. And they kind of like, I didn't see, I didn't. That's where the second one I want to watch the second one just to see how, like, I don't really like how they casted. Idris Elba. Knuckles. I don't really like the casting with him as Knuckles, but it could be good. I'm open-minded to it. I just, I just feel like Knuckles would be better. I, I feel like more of like a bad guy. It was a weird choice. Uh, like a choice. bad boy kind of ro- like role would be better for Knuckles. You know what I mean? Because Knuckles is kind of an anti-hero, right? He's like the, he's like the less, mm-hmm. he's like the more serious Deadpool of the Sonic universe. He's like Gambit. It's just Idris Elba doing his normal voice. Idris Elba isn't like changing his voice at all. Yeah, he probably phoned that shit in and made like fucking a million dollars just to phone, like phone it in and do his regular voice. That pisses me off. I, Dude, I, wa- I watched some gameplay a couple days ago from that Sonic open world awesome, game they're making. doesn't it? It looks, it looks pretty awesome. cool. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm um I'm pretty stoked to see how that comes out. There's a lot of cool games that are coming out recently. I feel like it's hard to keep up with them all. Games, music, TV shows. It's a never-ending yeah. stream of things. Well, on that note, I think it's time we say goodbye. Thank you everyone for listening to our little podcast. Listen to some other episodes if you'd like. Uh, give us a rating. Give on us a Spotify, review. Apple Podcasts. Email us at JubileeStreetPod at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram at Instagram. Um, we're on Instagram. Check out my record I put out a couple months ago called Songs for Beginners Volume 1 by Ian McCurtis. Check out one of my favorite things Jake ever did, an EP by Gabriel Ha called Ambient Life 4. Thank you. Um, check out your favorite breakfast cereal, Pet Blue, the intern dog, and Buffy the HR dog on the way out. And, and we'll maybe you start thinking about what your favorite Halloween candies are. This. Yeah, you got to buy some soon for the trick or treaters. But buy something you like, because then it's a luck That woman is my wife. And he drew a silver pistol on a wicked bowie knife. And he shot the man with a wing on the ass straight between the eyes. And Betty Coltrane, she moaned under the table. Oh, well, the frog eyed man jumped at Robin Moore, who stabbed him in the chest. As Mr. Frog Eyes died, he said, Betty, you're the girl that I love best. And the sailor pulled a razor.
Garbage blasted into bits and bits.